Welcome back to America's Talking. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Shakira Mills. Shakira is the Deputy Chief of Staff at the Bridge Alliance. Bridge Alliance is a coalition of 100 organizations, 100 or so, working together to promote healthy self-governance in our democratic republic. Bridge Alliance member organizations span the ideological spectrum, but they are unified to work efficiently and outside arbitrary political lines. Welcome, Shakira. Thank you. Shakira, can you start just by telling us a little bit about the Bridge Alliance? What is the work that you do there? Yeah, so the Bridge Alliance has been called so many things over the last four or five years since our origin. Um, The most common being either a trade association or a hub of resources, which is technically my favorite um, because that's exactly what we are. We serve as a hub of amplification and sustainability resources for the 100 plus nonprofits that are in our coalition. Um, Anytime they want their initiatives or their events amplified, we help with that and post them on the many platforms that we've acquired over time. Anytime they are looking for financial resources, we are there to help lead them in the right direction. Whenever there are trend movements or or new issues and solutions that are coming up in the movement um, field-wide, instead of having those organizations do that research themselves, they come to us because we've already done that research. Um, And I think the biggest thing that people know us for is being the facilitator for collaborations. A lot of the times organizations are in need of resources or they're in need of ideas or just wanting the effect that numbers will give a movement. And so what we do is we serve as the hub of collaboration, putting these organizations in touch with one another, and the results have been incredible. And so we do this um, in a number of ways with a number of programs that we have that we'll get into later on. But the gist of what we do is serving as a hub of amplification and scaling for these organizations. Got it. And when you say, well, I have a ton of questions about this. So one is I know to, in order to be a member of the Alliance, I believe there's five principles that folks have to abide by. And you guys do have a, a range of groups spanning the ideological spectrum. I'm curious what of those principles, what's the one that is like the most difficult hurdle to clear for a nonprofit? Like you're from the cause-based world. There's people who are super righteous about what they believe many people don't want to compromise on anything. Uh, What do you think of those principles are sort of the toughest hurdle to clear? So for those that don't know, um, our principles are being able to embrace differences, being open to collaboration, um, having or valuing a citizen voice, right? Um, Understanding that our country is well represented when citizens are informed and active and not just those that are in the field. Um, organizations that are solution-based. This is also one of our principles and being open-minded. And I would say open-mindedness is not the most difficult on a human aspect. Um, Person to person, our organizations talk to one another. And oftentimes when I speak to them, they are friends with people from other organizations that I don't even know. And so on that level, there's not really much of an issue, but What I'm seeing come up lately when I talk to some of our members is the concern with with open mindedness and ideology. 
the whole, our, our entire purpose is to create this ecosystem and help everyone understand that the solution to democratic issues is multifaceted. And so with that, there's going to be a multifaceted solution, which means no one ideology or no one organization or no one end of the ideological spectrum has the answer. It takes everyone. Everyone has a piece of the answer. It's an ecosystem. Our democracy is meant to be an ecosystem the same way our earth is an ecosystem. You need every part of the earth for it to function in a balanced way. And so for our democracy to work, we need everyone's input because it's it's all equally valuable. What's an example of, of that kind of an issue where it really took like a whole, everybody's voice had to be, you know, at the table in order to move something, whether maybe a policy issue or a cause, like what's one that comes to mind for you? I'll use the most current, this pandemic right now, the main issue that people are really struggling with is everyone's definition of freedom and everyone's definition of choice. And um, I think that we're doing a decent job as a coalition of respecting everyone's choice. But in the beginning, when we looked societally before we kind of got together as as a coalition, it was it was looking like you had two different sides. On one end, people were feeling as though everyone should conform to whatever was happening societally for the greater good of the country. And you had one end that was saying, these these practices or these these changes are good for those that they are necessary for but it's not necessary for everyone and everyone should have choice i'd have to say that the more we expose people's different points of view as far as why they were on one side or the other which is the perfect example of making it clear that everyone's voice is necessary um you can't just have one dominating voice and ignore all the others the more that we expose those those perspectives and the reason behind those perspectives, right? The human aspects that play into everyone's politics, the more that was exposed, the more everyone was compassionate of one another and understanding of how not only not only having a multi-perspective um, solution was uh, was better for everyone, but I, I'd say it, it helped in, in the sense of people being compassionate of one another as far as why they make their choices, which is not mm. just a, a good solution for what's happening in the pandemic, but that type of mindset is what's gonna take us farther as a democracy in general across all types of policies and issues. There are some issues, and this is like my total like cynic, skeptic hat uh, on right now, but you, I'm, th- I'm thinking of some issues like take um, abortion, for example, like one of the most polarizing, entrenched uh, issues on both sides. What kind of hope do you see for issues like that for people to come together? It seems like there are so many premises, like basic things that can't really be agreed upon. How should we think about making progress in something as polarized as that? I'll say this. With, with issues as polarizing as abortion, Getting to know the human aspect of someone's politics is the key to understanding their politics and being compassionate of their politics and not Mm. allowing own politics to infringe upon someone else. And so what this does is this allows everyone to be okay with what's best for them and not having that infringe upon everyone else. 
using abortion and abortion laws as a very perfect example. Thank you for bringing that up. From my understanding, on one end, you have people who are, you have people who who care about the lives of fetuses that then get aborted. They're passionate about it because of either their religion or just their compassion for human life in general, um, or maybe their spirituality, which, you know, are not the same thing. And then on one end, you have people who are are compassionate for uh, of women who are having to have children, maybe out of situations that are not their own choices. And so having um, the freedom to then abort a pregnancy is something that is helpful for them to continue their lives um, and not have it be permanently altered by one traumatic event or a series of traumatic events. And so I, I, as someone who has seen it from both sides and is compassionate of both sides, what I'm seeing is you have one end who's not seeing that part of it, who is not necessarily looking at why people who are on the other end feel that way. Nobody is asking about backgrounds. Nobody is asking about upbringing. Nobody is asking about socioeconomic status. No one is asking about um, race. No one is asking about these things that play into why we vote for the policies that we vote for or why we feel the way we feel. And so if that were to happen, maybe, right, because I, I could be wrong, in which I'll get into why saying I could be wrong is also important, but <laughs> maybe, maybe if these things were understood, one end of the spectrum could be more compassionate of the other end. Why? Because if one end can be compassionate, they can then put themselves, compassionate and empathetic, they could put themselves in the shoes of the other end and be more understanding of why they feel the way they feel or why they want the policies set in place. And what this does is this, because I often think about like the chicken and egg conversation, what happens first, uh, societal changes and then policies or policies and then societal mm -hmm. change. Uh, that question still has not been answered, but in this case, if you have people who are then willing to have abortion laws be pro-choice, those who do not want abortions do not have to get them. And those who are who feel that they are in need of them are able to get them without anyone feeling as though their personal views are being infringed upon. Does that make sense? I think so. So I th in that instance, I think this idea of it's such a moral question if someone were truly to believe that that is, uh, you know, a murder, they're not okay with other people doing it. It extends their view extends beyond their own body in a way. And that, and that can get really complicated. But I think your point about, I, I once heard that if someone uh, hears a message from someone who they perceive as part of their group or their tribe or in group, not a threat, that message is processed through the same circuitry in our brains as their own thoughts, which is kind of a crazy thing to think about. Uh, meanwhile, if that message is delivered through someone who's perceived as outgroup or a threat or unlike them, it's processed through a completely different part of your brain. So this idea of finding some kind of background commonality first makes a ton of sense. I'm wondering if you have seen like intolerance is intolerance, whether on the right or the left, but what do you think, are there different reasons? Like what's the biggest barrier you've seen to the right 
working productively with the left, broadly speaking, and then vice versa? Like what's the biggest barrier for the left often working with folks on the right? Oh, I'm so happy we're talking about this. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm about to get very non-political because go for it. We have to go deeper than that. Okay. In order to get, in order to solve problems on that level, we have to go a little bit deeper. Here is where ego and the elimination of confirmation bias and cognitive dissonance come into play. The ego is essentially on a basic level, it's our survival. We have this, this understanding of what things should and should not be, which is what has kept us alive. And then the hyper ego or the super ego um, is what plays into what we find to be right and wrong or good and bad things that basically are our set of morals. Oftentimes when it's a hyper ego, we then um, tell ourselves that anything that does not fall within our own morals is immoral. Right. Um, and of course, you have cognitive dissonance, which is when um, which is the condition that most people are in, in that they are so accustomed to the lifestyle and the mindset and the perspective that they have been either conditioned or just grown up with that they are not willing to look outside of that or they're not willing to listen to anything outside of that, i.e. what you just said. When someone that is already a part of their tribe is saying something to them, even if they have never thought of it, it then becomes a part of their own thoughts. Um, when someone is outside of their tribe, they're then thinking about who they are and whether or not who they are resonates with the person that they're listening to. And they automatically shut out what they're saying because they're not willing to they're stuck in cognitive dissonance. They are not willing to look outside of the perspective that they already hold. And so if we can understand this on a psychological level and how to get rid of it, we will be able to work together. Why? Because we will be more open to things that are outside of our own viewpoints. When you are stuck in ego, cognitive dissonance, and the high, especially the hyperego, um, and confirmation bias, you find that perspectives outside of your own are infringed upon yours. So what you're saying, I think, is um, there's not really a difference between a person on the left who's unwilling to consider the views of the person on the right or vice versa. It's the same psychological process that you see on both. So I'm curious, you see, obviously, you guys have over 100 members of your organization. What really distinguishes in your mind a good nonprofit organization and a really, really great one? How do we, how do we measure their success? Even as people who give uh, resources to the places we care about, how do we know if something is truly great or just pretty good? So a few years ago, 2018 to be specific, um, we spoke about an acronym um, that was called spud this is a, a general a general scale of like how to how to judge the success of a movement but it can be it can be looked at on an organization to organization level if you are scaling that being you are expanding your work beyond your immediate proximity maybe you started out in your neighborhood and now you're beginning to collaborate on a regional level or a state level. 
and then you start um, collaborating on a national level and then you start collaborating on an international level. Or maybe you started out with local government and now you are going into state government or now you're working uh, within uh, within national government or federal government, right? Um, scaling your work is no matter the pace, by the way, um, because again, me and ego, you cannot say that um, something is successful if it's only going at this rate. If it's happening, then it is happening and it's success. And so scaling um, is a, a huge sign of, of success. Being able to reach people that are across different perspectives um, and different identities, being as universal as you can, because at the end of the day, democracy applies to everyone and it applies to a lot of different facets of life. So even people who within their daily lives or within the work that they do, do not involve themselves in, um, in civic engagement or democracy reform work, democracy still applies to them. And so being able to be universal, having your message be understood or resonated with a multitude of people is also a sign of success. Awesome. So I'm curious, those, a lot of those members are bipartisan focused or transpartisan, use different words. Um, but when I think about the legislative process, for example, especially at the federal level, but this happens definitely in states uh, to some extent, it's less about bipartisan agreement generally and more about can we convince Pelosi, McConnell, and a handful of others to support what we're doing. Is that a problem? How should we think about that problem? Why does everything fall back to the ego? <laughs> it literally does. Whenever you are, at least in, in the field of psychology, what we're taught is that when you are talking to someone about something that is more than likely going to be, something that they're more than likely going to disagree with or may not immediately resonate with, you are not supposed to go into that conversation with the goal of convincing or persuading. Informing, yes. Convincing or persuading, no. Is this a little difficult when it comes to making legislative changes? Yes, because the point is to make changes. However, if we are going to be a genuinely collaborative democracy, we have to be open to changes being outside of the original changes that we intended for said conversation or for said conference or or for said whatever um that's currently not happening and the the worst part is that when these situations happen and whatever legislative change or whatever convincing does or does not happen and maybe the opposite happens it feels like detriment to the to the ideology or the community that did not get their full way. The biggest example that I hear um, would be the results of elections, right? We campaign all year for whoever we want um, to be in certain seats on no, mat no matter the level of, of, of election. We, we campaign all year and then when who we wanted in a certain position does not get in the position, we then think life is over and the country is going to blow up. It's going to be in shambles because who we wanted in said seat is not there. And that's not the case. That's all ego. And it doesn't have to be that way. What just, you've been so generous with your time, Shakira, and this has been amazing. I'm curious, what is your most practical advice 
easy mental model for folks in their personal lives discussing issues that are important to them with people who they disagree with. Like, what do we do when we feel that emotion come up of like, this is a threat to my ego or whatever it is? How should we be better? Challenge yourself and take the time to listen to perspectives that you disagree with. I make it a point to listen to people that I know for a fact do not have the same perspective as me. And I make it a point to learn about people who have had upbringings that are completely different from mine. Try to learn about perspectives. And I'm talking the depth of perspectives that are outside of your own to at least gain some understanding. And you could find everything about that perspective and upbringing to be complete crap, right? Oh, that's not realistic or, oh, that could be different. But Mm -hmm. at least take the time to learn about them so that you have an understanding of where other perspectives come from so that you can understand why. Another thing that people can do is some what I said earlier, try to go into conversations with people that you disagree with, with just the goal of informing, not persuading and not convincing. It's going to frustrate you every time. And then a, a, a third piece of practical advice would be to look at democracy from the perspective of an ecosystem like the earth. The earth cannot survive without each and every part of its ecosystem. You need all of these working parts. We cannot have just a Republican or just a a Democrat or just a liberal or just um, a conservative creating solutions and running the country. And if the entire point of democracy is to serve the people and the people are multifaceted, why would the solutions not be multifaceted? And that's what we're trying to do with Bridge Alliance. The fact that we have all of these different types of organizations who all are not nonpartisan. Um, There are a lot of our organizations who don't take strict political stances, but do make it clear that they are mainly progressive or mainly conservative. And we respect that and we want them all in our coalition because the point is that every perspective is needed. And that's what we're trying to do at Bridge Lines. I think the title of the episode might have to be Release the Ego. Uh, Shakira Mills, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us on America's Talking. Really appreciate it. No problem.